Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College. Its annual Summer Institute for Educators takes place June 25th through 27th. Registration is now open at landmark.edu lcsi. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome to MindShift, the podcast about the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Ki Sung. And I'm Kara Newhouse. Let's picture the perfect teacher. Maybe you're imagining someone who radiates empathy, like Miss Honey in Matilda. You should believe in whatever power you think you have inside of you. Or someone super inventive, like Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. Welcome to outer space class. Or someone who provides wise counsel as students grow, like Dumbledore in Harry Potter. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. No matter who you're picturing, chances are they're all about helping kids and nothing ever sways them. And we've thought about teachers this way for a long time. The education system, as it's evolved over, you know, a couple hundred years, has always had a cultural sort of orientation or view of teachers as people who are always sweet and wonderful and nice and kind and engaged and, you know. Patricia Jennings is an education researcher at the University of Virginia, and she says this cultural ideal is unrealistic. Of course, we as teachers all have feelings. And so what what happens is teachers suppress those uncomfortable feelings. We talked about this before in the episode on toxic positivity, how suppressing emotions can make stress worse. It felt like I was being told that I felt so terrible because I didn't have the right mindset. Today, we revisit the topic and look at what happens if teachers stop putting on a happy face and start showing their real emotions in the classroom. So you are going to have 90 seconds to grab anything around you to make a a party costume to make like a Halloween. Our story begins at Rancho Campana High School in Camarillo, California. I'm so excited to find out what you are. That's theater teacher Leah (laughs) Colote. Allie, what are you? I am a girl boss. Oh, yeah, you are a girl boss. Would you like to join my small business opportunity? (laughs) During the coronavirus pandemic, Colote put a lot of energy into making distance learning work. She attended tech workshops, took online improv classes, and studied how professional theater companies were doing digital performances. Colote also focused on building relationships, so her students felt comfortable taking artistic risks. In many ways, she was checking all the boxes of a great teacher, even amid a very difficult year. You know, just the feedback that I get, I get a lot of emails from students throughout the week that are just like nice little messages here and there, like affirming the things that they're enjoying and 
the experiences that we're having. And so like I felt pretty comfortable. In March, I sat in as Colote students planned a virtual performance of the murder mystery show Clue. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did. In the hall. With the revolver. It wouldn't just be your typical stage play acted out on Zoom. The audience would be able to visit different virtual rooms and get involved in the story. We could have the audience pick a character and like have a actual clue board game on like a camera and then move the pieces around if they like decide to go to a specific room. It was exciting. It was innovative. You are doing something incredible. I will say it as many times for it to land in your brains as possible. Like what you were doing is not being done most places in the world. But then. It's actually going to be a really short meeting today um, because I have something hard to tell you. After months of adapting to virtual theater, the class plans suddenly unraveled. So I don't think that we can do an on-Zoom show for a live audience. While the class was developing their show, the COVID vaccine was rolling out across the country. Pressure to reopen schools was mounting. At Rancho Campana, some students and teachers had already started hybrid learning, but it was all by choice. Then, two days before spring break, Colote received an unexpected email from the superintendent. It said that teachers would be required to return to school buildings in just a few weeks. It just was very shocking. I pretty soon after receiving that contacted my principal to start finding out, like, what did that mean in terms of how I would need to adapt again <laughs> to a changing situation and what I would need to do. Colote's theater room has no windows. So to purify the air, her principal said they would put air scrubbers by the door. But those machines are loud. Loud enough to make collaborating on a virtual show pretty much impossible. Colote shared this news with her class the next day. Sorry, I'm trying to like stay calm. My heart is beating really fast right now. Um, and so to me... Since I'm going to be mandated to be in a building with three noisy machines, double masked, I don't know how the people who show up in the room are going to be able to hear me or hear each other. I don't know how the people on Zoom are going to be able to hear me or the people in the room. Um, so I don't think that we can do an on Zoom show for a live audience, even though we've spent all this time um, researching. And Colote's students sent her messages as she spoke. They wrote things like, we love you. I'm so sorry you have to go in like this. It's unfair. And it's okay, Ms. Colote, you've done so much for us. And we'll figure out opportunities for you to perform that are safe, where you are able to create amazing things. Um, yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. And um, and it'll it'll be fine. I know it doesn't look like it right now because I'm kind of a mess. Um, but, it, you know, it's very um, shocking and pretty new. In a situation like this, most teachers would suppress their tears until the cameras were off. Colote didn't do that. 
I talked with her during spring break and I asked what was going through her mind before class that day. I don't know. I don't know how you prepare for something like that. I don't know that I did prepare for it. Did you expect to cry during it? No, I just did the best I could. And I knew that um, it's safe to, to be expressive and truthful with that particular group. Like I didn't need to um, act (laughs) and put on like a brave face. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Here's where we come back to UVA professor Patricia Jennings. Remember she said that most teachers do feel they have to disguise negative emotions from students. That puts them in a tough situation. When you're in a classroom with a bunch of students, and you're all basically captive in this room. Uh, You can't leave, you can't go take a break. When your emotions get the best of you, you have to manage them in front of everybody. You have no privacy. Is it okay for teachers to cry in the classroom? Oh, gosh, what a good question. I think it depends. I, I think it's a hard question to put out there as a general statement. If something is happening in the classroom that triggers tears to that degree of a teacher, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't stop yourself from crying. You don't have any privacy. Explaining to the students what's happening, you know, um, I'm feeling really sad right now, and that's why I'm crying. You know, I worked so hard to make this happen, and then it couldn't happen, and I'm totally disappointed. I'm devastated. I think being honest makes a lot of sense. That kind of honesty can even help students by modeling how to recognize and respond to their own feelings. Because if I'm the teacher and I'm starting to feel frustrated, which happens a lot, by the way, I can say, oh, you know, right now I'm noticing how frustrated I'm feeling. My shoulders are getting tense. My jaw is getting tense. I'm feeling hot. I need to take some breaths and calm myself down. These moments can also strengthen relationships between teachers and students. In a way, when a teacher shows vulnerability, she's giving her students permission to feel as well and to feel, you know, the same feelings, the devastation. And, um, you know, there's research that shows when human beings are sharing emotions, they're feeling emotions at the same time, it builds social connection. And and students feeling connected to their teachers, um, we know from lots of research, helps kids. Um, having 
Colo kind of breakdown was sort of like a wake-up call that like the students aren't the only ones that are having a hard time. I asked a few students in the theater class how they felt seeing Ms. Colote cry. Here's what senior Bailey Benzin said. Since Colote has always been here for us, um, having her open up to us was kind of like she was saying that she trusts us. Bailey knows she can be open with Ms. Colote too, like in her junior year when she was going through a tough time with her mom. There's definitely things about my life that I have only told Miss Colote. She's kind of like the um, the airbags where she just stops you before hitting your head on the wheel. So, um, Colote told me that the supportive messages her students wrote were a big part of why she cried when breaking the news about Clue. But even in less tumultuous times, she tries to be emotionally honest with her students. You have to have boundaries. <laughs> But being generous with the things that you can so that they can feel safe being generous and compassionate with each other. It made me feel angry. I left the room. I was like, I'm pissed. That's junior Allison Gertler, who was also disappointed about Clue's cancellation. I yelled not like at my parents, but to my parents. But she appreciated Ms. Colote's authenticity. I think it's good because I feel like so much of school has this almost fake positivity energy, but when we come in this class, it's actually, you know, it's real. And why does that matter? Because this is real life, and the fake positivity isn't helping anyone. Or it might be helping some people, but it's not helpful to me. In late April, Colote returned to her classroom, where the noise from the air scrubbers sounded like a constant ocean wave over her voice. She had to lead class by typing in the chat box, which students said was strange and even a little unnerving. But it didn't last long. After a medical emergency, Colote was allowed to teach from home. By then, between lost rehearsal time and pandemic fatigue, the students decided not to go back to performing Clue. Instead, they did independent creative projects like a dance performance. I decided on doing a number from Coppelia, which is my favorite ballet. Or a movie review. And then it was Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, James Franco, uh, Bill Hader. Colote also took on a creative project. She wrote a farewell song for the seniors. They were freshmen during her first full year at Rancho Campana, after a decade teaching at another school. I feel like the seniors this year are my first real seniors because you're people who trusted the process and were empathetic enough to see that I had things to offer. And, um, and for that, I thank you. Our freshman year, four years ago, just baby actor shadows of the people I now know but you had guts and you were smart what do you think the class accomplished amid all of the roller coaster of events this year I think the main thing that we 
accomplish together is creating like a supportive community um, where it was, you know, a safe place to like try things. And I'm glad that we kept going. <laughs> I'm glad that we were honest and compassionate with each other and that, you know, like ev- everybody had their moments of darkness and their weeks that were um, terrible. And so that we lifted each other up during those times. Like, I'm proud of that. In the end, being real with your emotions might look like crying or it might look like singing. Either way, Colote and her students brought a full range of feelings to their time together. I'm so glad that you were my first awesome class. Thanks to Steve Drummond for editorial guidance. And special thanks to Leah Colote, Patricia Jennings, Bailey Venzen, Allison Gertler, and all the students in the Advanced Theater Arts class at Rancho Campana High School. For the MindShift podcast, I'm Kara Newhouse. MindShift is produced by me, Ki Sung, and Nima Gobier. Our editor is Jessica Placek. Seth Samuel is our sound designer. Erica Aguilar is our head of podcasts. And Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.